no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, as promised, First and Pod is back after the marathon that is the NFL Draft has concluded. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Pony, did you watch the draft live on Saturday? Uh, Not all of it. I watched some of the fourth round, and then I circled back for the seventh and was kind of just tracking it on my phone in the middle. So I would say I probably watched between an hour and two hours of draft coverage on Saturday. You got me by a little bit. I wanted to watch my buddy Matt Miller do his thing for ESPN, which was cool. Like that guy's been grinding forever. And it's just, it's a, I I love it, but it's the perfect track on your phone event. Mm -hmm. When's my team coming up? When's an interesting player? And then you go back and just study the guy that your team drafted as opposed to sitting there for the whole thing. But what we're going to do is just kind of, I'm going to handle the NFC teams. Pony's going to handle the AFC. If we have any team here, like if I have something to say about an AFC team, I can give a quick thing on top of it. You, uh, same for, for the NFC. But we wanted to, this probably won't be as long as the last pod, but you know we're not going to go deep on the fifth rounders for everybody. But just <laughs> b- basically, like, you know, your overall thoughts yeah. uh, for, for how they approached it. So I'll start with Carolina since they picked first. Uh, obviously, Bryce Young will be the thing that makes or breaks this draft. If he's Drew Brees with mobility, it'll be the best draft that any team had. Mm-hmm. If he's Kyler Murray or worse, it'll be a disaster. But I at least like when teams do things that make sense in terms of like telling a story, like in a poker hand, if you want to represent something, you've got to the first move has to connect to the second move, which has to connect to the third move. I thought that taking a receiver, Jonathan Mingo, at 39 to try to replace DJ Moore and give Bryce Young a talented yards after the catch, given that he's like the accurate quarterback who should hit everybody in perfect stride. Mm-hmm. Like that is telling a story that made sense. They didn't have a ton of picks, but I like when you try to pair a receiver with a quarterback like I would have like if Carolina would have stayed at 12 and taken uh, Smith and Jigba to pair with Stroud that would have made sense to me Uh, obviously they did a lot different things there but I liked Carolina's second pick but obviously it all comes down to Bryce Young who we both kind of doubt yeah the most interesting thing about them to me is the NFC is so weak they're not really a number one overall team they were in it to the end they were a, they were a mediocre team, but they made a coaching change. But the coaching change is so quarterback friendly, and the staff they assembled there. You've got Jim Caldwell as an offensive of assistant. You've got Josh McCown, who Houston wanted to hire as a head coach before the NFL got all pissed off. You know, you've got the offensive coordinator there who came over from the Rams, who's looked at as like a bright, you know, basically like smartest guy in the room type. So. No shortage of coaching there. There's no salary cap on coaches. They've got this uber-rich David Tepper. So it's a new era of, of Panthers football where finally, since Cam Newton, they like did not do a half measure at quarterback. So I will be interested in them as a team 
that might be able to surprise people this year coming out of this draft. I keep saying on the show that Bears fans are like, oh, they could have a top five, top ten pick next year. I I don't think Carolina's bad. They have, they have a good defense. They upgraded a coach, like you said. They won seven games. The division sucks. Yep. And w- we'll see about Bryce Young. And they didn't completely punt on skill position, guys. Top 40 pick at receiver, added Adam Thielen. Like, I don't think they're going to be that bad. So I have ordered my picks for the AFC teams based on how Mel Kuyper graded them. Oh, okay. So the highest graded draft from an AFC team, according to Kuyper, who, by the way, got one out of 32 picks right in his mock draft. He got Bryce Young right, <laughs> and then he got the next 31 wrong. That's awesome. There needs to be some accountability on this ship, but there's not because everybody Mel lo- loves Mel and he's been doing it for 40 years and he eats a pumpkin pie for breakfast every day. So he has his hometown Ravens with the best draft. Now, people love the Ravens draft every year, but this is the first one where the, it seemed like there was a conscious effort made to give Lamar Jackson help in the passing game and not so much as a runner, which is obviously the big question. How much do they take him from run first to maybe, you know, balanced offense in 2023? And how is he going to play that way? I thought the most interesting thing they did by far was that they took that offensive lineman who blew out his knee at the combine. Andrew Voorhees from USC. It was a horrible story. Who knows if he's going to like, if there's insurance involved and everything else, but they stashed him in the seventh round. Danny, this is what I do in my fantasy drafts all the time. I look for guys that I can stash, you know, who you can like bring. Oh, guys suspended. I'm going to get him in like the eighth round and then I'll have him back for the second half of the season. I thought that was a brilliant move. He's like a second round graded player. And they said, all right, we don't need him this year. It's a seventh round pick. These guys suck all the time. I love that. So I'm going to give them an extra vote of uh, confidence here and a thumbs up on that move. So love the draft and stash. Um, the only thing with the Ravens that I didn't like just a side linebacker. Well, right. So, so Trenton Simpson, like I watch a decent amount of Clemson football. He was just okay. Like never stood out. Even though as, he was a gigantic recruit. I mean, a huge colossal right, recruit. Right. But ne- never jumped like with all that talent around him. And they invested in Roquan Smith with the second round pick and then paid him. And Patrick so, Queen's already there. Yeah, he was not very good. Um, but like, so it's, it's, it's a ton of investment in non-premium positions. And so if you just look at it like second round pick in an off-ball backer and now third round pick in an off-ball backer, I, I wasn't as high on that uh, just in terms of allocation of resources. Uh, Seattle, I know we disagreed with Witherspoon and in Jigba. I think I was with more of the majority uh, in liking it. I also wanted Derek Hall for the Bears, the DN from Auburn, mm-hmm. who his highlight package is pretty awesome. Like, rangy dude who gets real low to the ground, has a crazy bend around the end, very productive player in the SEC. Uh, their draft on paper looks great, but it's pretty easy to. When you have four picks in the top 52, I didn't really get taken a running back from UCLA when they had Kenneth Walker. I felt like they had other needs uh, with that spot. So that was the only premium pick that I didn't really love. But 
guys that I had talked about on the show for the Bears a lot yeah. and thought about at positions. I thought that the first three picks that they made, I, I liked all three of them. And they had taken a run and they took a running back later in the draft, too. Yeah. Which is so weird. I mean, they hit on all their draft picks last year. It was the best draft class in the NFL. That's how they got to the playoffs with Geno. And so to just take two more running backs when you already have Kenneth Walker, I thought was, you know, take swings on guys at other positions and hope that you hit a home run like you did last year with like Willen and those guys. So that was a confounding thing to me. Uh, The Bengals are the second team here on Mel Kuyper's list from the AFC. Now, here's what's going to happen with them. It's, It's obvious to me. One of these guys that they drafted, this wide receiver from Purdue, Charlie Jones, who looks like you, or this guy from Princeton who they drafted in the sixth round as a wide receiver who tested off the charts. It is the first guy that's gotten drafted from Princeton since like Kyle Brandt or somebody or Russ, Ross Tucker or something like that, who like the highlight tape was great. Uh, my prediction is one of those two guys is going to blossom into a great receiver there. And the dude with the long hair who was catching balls in the slot there last season, who used to be a television actor, he'll get beat out by one of these guys. Charlie Jones from Purdue or the kid from print. And I think the guy from Michigan was a great pick, the corner Turner, who ran a 4-2-6-40. It was great in the Ohio State games the last two years against the best. I have no idea how this guy was not a top 30 pick. I'm stunning. How far do you think you could go in four four two or four two four? Well, I've like, actually done this. I ran the forty at Pitts Pro Day last year, and I think and what I was your time? I think I got about twenty five yards. <laughs> All right, yeah. So I, I think I'd be about halfway done. Yeah. In in four seconds, uh, Chase Brown, the running back from Illinois, was I like thought he was pl- better than his brother, right? He was like the poster child for around here for like, it's a deep running back draft. You don't need to tra- take uh, Gibbs or Bajan Robinson in the, yep. in the first round. So like Mixon gets hurt. That guy's going to great point by you. He might end up being a fantasy football. A hundred percent. Your eyes on R- rookie, rookie running backs, handcuffs. Like you, you'll take Mixon in the second round and you're going to take Brown in the 14th round. And if Mixon gets hurt early, there's not going to be much drop-off in position, and that's the value uh, of running backs. So the Cardinals, we talked about it on Thursday. They got a value play on their guy. Like Whether you like Paris Johnson or not, or whether you thought Kyler Murray is too empowered or not, uh, they were probably going to take him at three, and they get him at six and added Houston's first and third for next year. Mm. So for a team that's awful, even if you don't love Paris Johnson, um, those are premium draft picks Yes, that, that they added, which is just so weird because you don't think of Arizona as being a competent organization. Mm-hmm. And DeAndre Hopkins is still there. So I don't really know what they're going to look like this year, right? It's a new coach. They did not do what people expected them to do, but they are in a position for next year, if Kyler sucks and they go another year into that contract, that maybe they have enough draft ammunition to make a move into the top five and take one of those quarterbacks. So I liked that. And then our guy from Syracuse, Garrett Williams, 
he was considered, you know, high second round pick. And then blew out his knee. And then blew and then blew out his knee. So getting getting a very solid corner at a premium position when nine out of ten guys at that age, it seems like come back a hundred percent from ACL injuries. I actually liked how it developed in terms of draft assets and pre I mean tackle corner yeah. future first round pick from Houston. That's that's pretty solid to me. Well, the most interesting thing to me about their entire draft is actually what happens with with the quarterback they took, Clayton Toon. Because I think that there is now this, at least the media is pushing this narrative like, well, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant and who's going to be this year's guy who gets... And when you actually look at the draft, although that was the storyline, I felt like quarterbacks that really had no business getting drafted where they did shot up boards and maybe some of that is the Brock Purdy effect. We have no I we have no clue who Arizona is going to play at quarterback. Is it Colt McCoy? Is it David Blau? Is it Clayton Toon who played forever at Houston? And you know, is he the next Case Keenum? Is he somebody like that who plays for a long time in this league? Who knows? I mean, if if you're a late round quarterback, if you're going to pick a team to go to for 2023, this would have been the best team. Because who knows when Kyler Murray plays, you actually have, there's actually an audition there to be their quarterback week one, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I mean, it's very tough to predict the injury and the new coach. But, I mean, I also have an expectation that they're going to be terrible this year. Yeah, and if you're a guy that gets drafted in the fifth round, where else are you going to get an opportunity to possibly play in in year one? No, it's it's just like the debate of like, do you, do you want to play right away or do you want to sit for a minute? Sure. Be, be when you're order. one of these 26 year old COVID quarterbacks, you might as well friggin' play. Yeah. 20. <laughs> yeah. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, the Browns didn't pick until the third round and Mel Kuyper says they had the, the third best draft from the AFC insanity. Yeah. That's Mel, what are you doing here now? They did take Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. I know you're very familiar with him, Danny. He got hurt last year and if this guy he's one of these dudes that if he had come out of maybe the and been in the draft for 2022 would have been a better pick he was better than Hyatt before the injury I think we found out in this draft that most of the teams thought the Tennessee's offense was a gimmick offense with where their guys ended up all getting picked Hendon Hooker included and the thing about Tillman to me is if I actually thought Deshaun Watson was going to have a bounce back season. I would love a pick like this. Big guy, goes up and gets the football, extremely productive in the best conference in college football. Where does he fit with Amari Cooper in their grand scheme of things? But honestly, Danny, I'm so down on Watson. And frankly, I thought they should have fired Stefanski that the Browns can make the most of their mid-round picks. And I I think they're stuck. In the loaded AFC, I think their ceiling is like an eight-win team. They uh they have to have drafted the heaviest draft class. Oh, with the defensive tackle from Baylor and Dewan Jones, who's like a five hundred pound guy who refused to get weighed. Yeah, like they 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 they, they drafted a three hundred and forty pound defensive tackle that like never rushed the passer a day in his life. Like he's like an old school like oh yeah tractor trailer. That's why I don't know what Mel Kuyper's talking about here. Yeah. Look. 
I know a lot of the Steelers uh, staff always goes to the Ohio State Pro Day. It's an easy drive. They always pump out pros. They're always all over it. They're taking guys out for dinner. I heard that like Dewan Jones, that in the history of them doing this, no player turned them off more than Dewan Jones. Wow. With wow. like his work ethic and the way he handled himself, like refused to do stuff. Apparently had the same attitude, like had an amazing first day at the senior bowl and then like refused to work out after that and refused to play in the game. I just can't fathom. You want to play pro football, right? Like you're, yep. You know what I mean? Like here's the agent. It's a job interview, right? But that's the thing. Like you've hired an agent, you've gone to the senior bowl. Why would you do that? But the pictures of Dewan Jones next to other linemen, hilarious. One of my favorite things of the pre-draft process. Like he, he looked, he, he towers looks, over them. He looks like Andre the Giant, man. He, he looks like the dude from the Eagles from Australia, Maialata, who they made into a really good player. Yes. Yes, a much more modern uh, reference than than the one I just gave you. But yeah, he is an absolute mountain of a man. Uh, the Falcons, I don't have a ton on this other than I hated it. <laughs> like, so they take our guy Bergeron from Syracuse. A He's going to be a guard. Yeah, Right, a guard. They take Bajan Robinson, who they're like, he's much more than a running back. Okay. So what what is what does their offense need to be if they're using two top 40 picks on non-premium positions and rolling out Ritter when to me, like taking Christian Gonzalez and pairing him opposite AJ Terrell and like trying to have two great corners would have been an interesting an interesting move. And I know Gonzalez went a little lower than the mock drafts had him at, but regardless, like premium positions, when you've got the eighth pick in the draft, do they have to be a top 10 offense to justify this draft? I would say well, they're yeah. not going to be. So I it's know. not going to justify it. Do you think that Arthur Smith has a deal like a, like a, like he has Arthur blanks word, the owner there that even if they really, the bottom falls out and they're an awful team this year, that he'll be back next season because part of me really thought like as the days have gone on here that they're going to pitch count Robinson with Algier. And if Ritter ends up making that big jump, great. He probably won't. They'll win about four or five games and then just try to get Caleb Williams next year. Part of me, part of me thought that they've signed a bunch of over the hill dudes in free agency. Like, is it just a quiet tank job? I don't know. Their division stinks, so maybe they are actually trying to win nine games. Well, didn't, didn't we say that the Falcons were going to tank last year? Yes. And then, they, and then they were that on our NFC preview pod. We were like, "This is a this is a sneaky number one pick team." Yeah. This, this team might be tanking. This team has a bottom five. And then the rising the tide that was the NFC South lifted all boats to mediocrity. Yeah, to seven wins exactly. Okay, so Mel Kuyper has the Patriots next, which I don't get again because they drafted a kicker and punter. <laughs> and so, and the kicker went in the fourth round, by the way. Uh, so here's my takeaway on their draft. Now, I think Christian Gonzalez in the first round and Keon White at 46, the edge rusher from Georgia Tech. I yeah. think there's good value with both those picks. And we know Belichick knows defense. So he went to like his old, old habits, kind of diehard sort of thing. 
But what's very obvious to me, there's no help for Mac Jones. None whatsoever. They didn't take a pos- they didn't take a skill player till the sixth round. I mean, you're trying to figure out what your quarterback is. He's in year three, and you don't get him any help in the draft. Don't you think they know what he is, man? Like, what what possible way? And I know guys can be late bloomers and all that. In the AFC, Mm -hmm. what possible way is there for Mac Jones to be a quarterback good enough for you to win with? Well, you go back to the formula you used for two, two years ago when you made the playoffs. And you actually had offensive coaches who knew what the hell they were doing. I guess so, but I mean, but winning anything of like... Oh, their margin for error is so slim playing that way. And like since then, four quarterbacks have come into the AFC, like in addition to the ones that were already there. Yeah. Right? That that are that are awesome. Whether it's Trevor Lawrence or whatever you think about Russell Wilson or, you know, it's just Deshaun Watson. Like it's just, it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And his ceiling is just so low. And the margin for error is a good way to put it. It's just it's got to be his last year. And I'll be shocked if he gets the whole year. Uh, I have the Bears next. I was just doing this in order of how they picked in the NFC. I didn't do it through through Kuyper. Um, I said it on the last pod. I would have taken Jalen Carter over Darnell Wright. A yeah. lot of the stuff I've learned about Darnell Wright, like going more in depth on him since, I really like. I think he plugs the biggest hole on their offense. Still would have taken Carter, but should be a day one starter at right tackle. Um the media seemed to hate the rest of the draft on day two for the Bears. Defensive uh, tackles? Yeah, Dervin Dexter and Zach Pickens. Zach with two C's and an H. Never seen Zach spelled that way, by the way. Um, those were like the definition of drafting for need picks. And I can't hate on it. Like I, I don't think it can be overstated how little talent there is on the Bears defensive line. So I'm always a best player available at a position of need. And when you have a defensive head coach and you pass on Jalen Carter, yeah, you need to give him some young bodies with some upside for the defensive line. And then uh, Johnson, the running back from Texas, who played behind Bijan, he all he actually has awesome highlights who just seemed like he got overshadowed there. Tyler Scott. uh, Cincinnati receiver. Yeah, Yeah. not quite the athlete that Alec Pierce was, but also an awesome highlight tape. So I actually thought that as the draft went on, it got more and more sensible, but it was strictly a need-based draft for the Bears. Yeah, well, they 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 basically could have then taken any player because, as you said, they had needs all over the place. Obviously, some bigger than others. But the Bears, to me, like, they're going to be an interesting team all offseason for me because I honestly think that they're in a very – I usually love betting the over in, on teams like this. Teams that on paper probably have the best quarterback in the division but the worst roster around him and just counting on the quarterback to make everybody else better. Like, that was my logic when I bet the Bengals to win the AFC North two years ago with Burrow at 20-1. to Like, all right, 
He'll figure it out. He's got a bunch of receivers. I love this guy. Like, I think Fields will be better than Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and and Jordan Love this year. And so, if you have the best quarterback in your division, like, shouldn't the expectation be, if you make the roster around him better and fill those holes, that you're a good football team? It definitely should be. I mean, the thing is, man, I am open to the possibility that Jared Goff is good. Hmm. Like, and and it's situational. We we do this all the time. We did it with Jalen Hurts in Philly. Like, look at what he had around him, and it elevated him. Look at what the guys in San Francisco had, and it elevated him. What doesn't Goff have on offense? He has continuity of a system. He's got arguably the best offensive line in football. Two legit receivers. Just drafted a tight end. Yeah. Uh Great well, he had all those things last year. He had those things in LA and he was still he was in, he was erratic. He was inconsistent. He would have a great year and then he would have an average year and then he would have a bad year and then he would have a good like that's his MO I think as a quarterback. Yeah, but I mean he's 28 years old. Yeah. And you know could could develop into it. What I I mean the guy had 4400 yards, 29 touchdowns and seven picks last year. He had a great season. Very efficient, never turned the ball over. So, I listen, I love Fields, and I absolutely think he's more talented than Goff, obviously. Um, and the Bears' offense now, like, I'm not going to say it's good. You got but DJ Moore. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, Komet. K- Komet, DJ Moore. Claypool, Claypool stinks. Claypool, okay. Mooney. No, I, I know, but, like, here's what, it, here's what I can say about the Bears' offense. That – if their skill position players, if any of them just were like cut, they would all immediately get signed by other teams. That's a low bar, but that has not been the case for years. Yeah. Like they are at least all NFL players. Yep. So then if you add fields in, I kind of like it. All right. So this is a good time to do, I guess, my team then to the Steelers. So the national media has loved their draft. I think the thing that is most obvious to me about it, going back to what you said about Carolina, is that there was a theme to it. They want to become more physical football team. They want physicality to be their identity. So all their picks are physical guys. Jones is a huge athlete at tackle. Porter is a press physical corner like his dad. Benton from Wisconsin. Tackle, nose tackle. Played in the Big Ten West you know, in the trenches football. Darnell Washington is like the biggest tight end that's come out of college football in years and is just a people mover, great blocker. So that's what they went for. You know, I think my question is, I think that there's a law of diminishing returns maybe on going that way. I think like there's a little bit of let's zig while everybody else zags in the AFC and just kind of build a team that tries to punch you in the mouth and win and fluster the quarterback and kick the other team's ass and try to run the ball. Like it's a very old school way of trying to build a winner. I don't hate it because I don't really think the alternative is much better, but I, my, my only thing with it, Danny is I feel like there might be a little bit of this is good in the short term for Kenny Pickett, but in the long term, it's really not. Well, Broderick Jones is at least 
he's an upside tackle, right? Like he's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, he only started 19 games. Right. No, no, I know, I know. But I'm saying like that goes a little bit against what you're saying with the other picks. Like Broderick Jones is the guy who like very easily could have a very rough rookie year, but yeah. by year three is the best offensive lineman in the draft. Only started 19 games. Great, or j- just turned twenty one or twenty two. Yeah, very. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's super young. It, he, it's it's a boomer bust pick. Yeah, him. but an aw- awesome athlete, very high level, like good plays, some really ugly bad plays. But practiced against all of those NFL players on his team at Georgia. Like, I I, I liked the pick because of the, what the ceiling uh, could be. And then the rest of what you're talking about, like how, how pumped are people to have Joey Porter? Junior in Pittsburgh is that well his dad was a his dad was a prick his dad was not good when he was on the Steelers coaching staff and got some hot water and his edge rushers never developed so it's a love-hate relationship they loved him as a player and then they thought that like it was kind of cronyism when he was a coach so is he gonna have like is he gonna have extra heat on him or is he gonna be extra loved no I think it's gonna be extra heat because his helicopter dad is involved okay gotcha uh, the Eagles, like, I know Howie Roseman has misses in the first round on his resume, like high profile ones. We've talked Jaylen about Rager. them. Yeah, right. We've talked about them. Um, Carson but this Lentz. is just how good teams stay good. Like, oh, just draft players from the best college football factory and say the hell with it. And then bring in DeAndre Swift too, by the way. Correct. That Dude, was I don't a, think DeAndre, I don't think that DeAndre was a great Swift move. Is, yeah, it's it's just it's obviously you're able to do it from a position of luxury, right? Like they have an awesome team, but he built the team. Yep. And then you look at the like Devontae Smith, Bama, Jalen Hurts, Bama, three more dudes from Georgia, two dirt, two dudes from uh, Alabama in this draft. Oh, who? Oh, they went outside of the SEC. They went to the Big Ten. And drafted Sidney Brown, who had six interceptions last year. Just like productive, winning college football They don't players. overthink it. They exactly. don't overthink it at all. You know what it reminds me of? Now, this is kind of aged a little bit, but somebody told me years ago that the Washington Nationals GM, I think the guy's name is Tony Rizzo. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But like he basically was in with Boris. And I guess Boris like pays more money for high school and college scouts than major league baseball teams do to get his talent. And Rizzo would just go to Boris every year and say, tell me who to draft. (laughs) And like, okay. Yeah. Maybe that pisses off your own people internally, but like, you know, why, why spent like, look, there are going to be diamonds in the rough everywhere. You know, they found a guy in the seventh round. We just talked about Mylotta, who didn't even play football. It was just a big human being. Well, and, and you can mess it up. Like, Mike Mayock did that when he was running the Raiders and, like, reached on Cleveland Farrell. Yeah, but these aren't reaches. Like, Jalen Carter and and Ringo and these guys were, like, not, okay, well, I just took a guy from a great college team, but they were surrounded by awesome dudes, and actually their measurables and stuff don't translate no, I to the NFL. I, I, I'm just saying, like, I, w- I wouldn't want my GM to, like, blindly do it. Yeah. But when you are dealing from the position of strength that, that Roseman's dealing, like, it's a pretty safe draft. So I'm sure it's going to work. Well, I wouldn't say safe, though, because Carter 
is just such a massive wild card. That's not a safe pick. I mean, that has huge volatility on it. He could be the best player in the draft by a mile, or he could be a complete D-bag who just doesn't And if it doesn't work, they still have Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox. Yeah. You know, like it, it won't really impact them. So he was able to take the swing. All right. So now the Titans are up here and Will Levis. So this is a classic example to me of when you have an of have a regime change and the new people come in and they just don't give an F about what the previous people did. Like Malik Willis, third round pick or whatever. Uh, looked terrible late in the year, but was looked at as a project guy because he had played at Liberty. And now Carthon comes in here as the GM and is just like, nope, not happening. We need a quarterback. Levis dropped. We'll trade up in the second round to get him as more of a value pick. Now, Vrabel's been there the entire time. So, I mean, did Vrabel in that short amount of time sour on Willis? I would, I would guess so. I don't think that he was, you know, kept out of the, war room conversation it's just a it's just a it's a weird team where you've got a lame duck quarterback who's still on the roster in Tannehill you've got Levis with huge question marks and you drafted a guy last year who was seen as maybe the highest upside quarterback in the draft so that's to me one of those classic you got three quarterbacks but you really have none situations yeah I think you nailed it I think it's perfect but you know my feeling on talking about the Titans you hate it I hate it. I hated it during the season. I hate it during the offseason. Did the Levis stuff on draft night make you dislike him? It made me jealous of him. I, well, I how many of those were relatives and how many of those I, were girlfriends? I don't know. Because I'm not jealous of people that have hot siblings. No, I no, actually no. think that's very hard. Yes. Yes. Ab- absolutely. And I'm assuming there was one girlfriend and multiple sisters, and I'm just taking the opportunity. But the one sister was sitting so, like... Yes. You know, like, yeah, I yeah exactly. like I, I'm cool with my sister, but like, we don't sit next to each other like that. No. You know? No. I did. Wh- why would it make you dislike him? Well, because I thought like some of his like facial expressions and the things he were doing, like I thought he came off as a little bit obnoxious, but whatever. Impossible spot. I mean, like I saw, uh, I forget even who it was, might be Florio, who's like, oh, he didn't go back to the draft the next day. Like, that's a reflection on his inability to handle adversity. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I looked miserable. Go home. <laughs> You're fine. Um, the Lions are so weird, man. They're so weird. Running back and off-ball linebacker in the first round. Hendon Hooker, who's three years younger than Jared Goff. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then I liked I, I the Brian Branch kid, the safety at 45. That was like, finally, I was like, yeah, you do need that. Yep. Uh, Laporta, really the tight pick. end at 34. They traded away Hawkinson, but actually got decent tight end production. But if they had a single hole on their offense, it was probably tight end. So made sense. But Defensive line anywhere? Like I, I was just well, I was I, I, I have a very I have a very specific take on Detroit. I Please. thought they I thought they drafted 
like they've already won something. Like we're talking about how the Eagles can afford to do maybe some of these, like maybe vanity picks or luxury picks where it's like, all right, fuck it. We, we just made it to the Super Bowl. Let's just keep doubling down and tripling down on these Georgia players who keep falling to us. You know, like the Lions were doing things like, let's get aggressive and take a running back who's not even the best running back. Let's take an inside linebacker. Like they were doing like pretty, I would say, widely, universally believed to be like horrible draft moves from a philosophical standpoint. Like in a way where it's like, well, I mean, look how good we were at the end of the year. We can afford to do these things. We have so many picks and we had such a good team by the end of the season. It's like, ah, to me, it was to me, it was too much of like putting the cart before the horse here with their draft. Yeah, I think that, that I think that that makes and the hooker sense. thing. Why? Like, why would you even like I think when we did our mock, I might have had them taking Anthony Richardson. Like, OK, Anthony Richardson is super raw. And might need like a couple of years to figure his shit out. You just mentioned it. Hooker's old. I would not. I, I would not want to just bring somebody it, like that in. And and it, doesn't it just complicate things? That's what I'm saying. Like 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 it just it it if you're gonna make it make golf sweat, make him sweat. But why why do that? I I don't know. I mean, but I do I do think that with their offensive line. I do think that it's a good spot to look good, mm-hmm. but I don't think that you're a good enough team to draft a backup quarterback in the third round. I thought I thought I thought the whole thing was weird, uh, but like I said, the 34th and 45th pick I thought were were pretty solid, but everything else I thought was really really weird. All right, so the Bills are next. The Bills did not get a wide receiver until the fifth round, and they didn't trade for DeAndre Hopkins. And I know a lot of Bills fans were like, what are we doing here? Let's get another weapon for Josh Allen, who's a wide receiver, to go with Diggs. So that didn't happen in the draft. That didn't happen in free agency. That's what Kincaid's supposed to be. Now, they took Kincaid, who can be a pass catcher. Obviously, is the top tight end that won this draft. Now, I did think with their next two picks, they took a guard, Osiris Torrance, and they took an inside linebacker. It almost felt to me... And even the tight end, who I know is like, like not like the best blocking tight end of all time. But I almost feel like the Bills are scarred by what happened in that playoff game. Like, it was the perfect game for them from a weather standpoint, where we're the Buffalo Bills. It's snowing here. It's a home playoff game. We build our team to win in these elements. And they got pushed around and bullied by a team that had backup offensive linemen. And I just felt like they wanted to go out there and get some mean dudes. Like Osiris Torrance, when he went up against the Georgia guys, he didn't take a back seat. Like, I think he was the one guy in college football this year who they said not only held his own against Jalen Carter, but actually won that matchup. So I almost felt like there was internally like, not only were they pissed that they lost, but I think they were especially pissed at the way that they lost and have tried to compensate for that with their draft and free agency. They just need to hit on someone. Yeah, they you haven't had them for their drafts, dude. Dude, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you go back and look at first, second, and third round picks for the last three years for the Bills. Like, two, three, and four years ago. Like, give them a pass on last year. We don't know. They've been in there for one year. Like, most people can't name a player. 
who's made an impact for them. And it's just, it's showing up for them in the worst way. Not terribly dissimilar to the Packers, who's the next team on my list. This stat blew me away, man. Last 13 first round picks. 12 have been defensive guys. 12 have been defensive guys. (laughs) What year is this? And their defense was horrifying last year. I know. Like I know I know before the season started when you liked the Packers, you're like, you know, the 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 most underrated defense in the league is the Packers. Look at all these first round picks. Dude, like they were pretty good two years ago with very little Jair Alexander, who's awesome. And yeah. I was like, so they'll be good. Like it, that was they were one of the most disappointing units in all football last year was the Packers defense. And they do it again with Van Ness, who I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be solid. Apparently more of an edge rusher than having the ability to go in uh, as an interior uh, collapse the pocket type of guy. But fine. They needed a pass rush in the absolute worst way last year. And then two-fifths, two-sixths, four seventh-round picks. Mm. It's just a ton of darts being thrown at the board. So, you know, the second pick was the receiver which fine they need they need to keep adding talent there because they don't have high ends talent uh so they they're trying to get bodies in that spot fine Dobbs obviously came on last year but like just a ton of late round flyers very smug we're going to build through the draft and develop and not do free agency and yep. apparently not invest in offense yeah classic packers draft yeah so the next t- t- team here is the broncos even though they didn't pick to pick until the 63rd selection and they took Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, who's a guy that can go get the ball downfield. So now they've got him to compliment. <clears throat> they didn't train any wide receivers. Judy and Sutton are still there. So, and then they took Drew Sanders, <clears throat> the linebacker from Arkansas in the second round, who, or in the third round, who like, he might end up being the best inside linebacker in this draft, even better than Campbell. He had very, his stats in the SEC, and he was like the Micah Parsons of the SEC last year. He was playing inside. He was playing outside. He had like huge sack totals. He transferred from Alabama to Arkansas to get more playing time. Uh, I'm not going to say much more about their draft, but I'm going to say this. They are a they are a team to me that I could go either way on right now. Like I want to fight the temptation to like, no, Andrew, you watched Russell Wilson largely suck last year. Don't get like tantalized or mesmerized by the marginal strides that he made late in the year and the coaching change. But I already feel myself doing that. (laughs) I don't know if you have the same thought on them, but like, well, they can't be worse. Well, their defense can be a hell of a lot worse. Yes. No, no, yes. Their defense. Yes. Their defense can, their defense can be. I thought there was a real chance that they were going to sell off on offense and they were, pretty aggressive in free agency and they didn't trade anyone away like you said so they are banking heavily on Sean Payton and I will probably be taking a wait and see approach on that one gotcha and rooting against it because it was really (laughs) funny last year um the commanders explain this to me so the corner they draft in round one is 166 pounds. Mm-hmm. And they don't take a quarterback. Nope. At any point. So it's Jacoby Brissett, 
who will probably beat out Sam Howell. And they didn't do anything to acquire significant extra draft capital for next year to go make a run at a quarterback. So they didn't address it really this year, nor set themselves up to have two first round picks next year. Yeah. Move around. I just, uh, what's their plan? What's their plan for a quarterback? I don't think they have a plan because who's in charge. Like they're just a franchise that's in limbo right now. There's no oversight. Yeah. You know, obviously the GM or the president of football operations, I think the guy's name is right there is, you know, honest, like is, you know, his name, the buck stops with him. I would say right now, but like, I don't know what, what they're really, what their goals or aspirations for are right now. You know, I mean, like maybe there's such a holding pattern there because they're waiting to see what happens with the sale of the team, you know, cause like logically I don't really understand the lack of, I mean, it's just, could they really believe that what they had last year is going to carry over to this season and they're going to be better? Like, I just don't, I don't see how you could look at them that way. I don't, I don't either. I, dude, I've got six teams. Like we, we, this might be our longest podcast ever. <laughs> well, I'm going to start ripping through some teams here. Okay. So uh, yeah. we got Houston next. We did their two picks, Stroud yeah. and Anderson the other night. Uh, do you think Stroud starts week one? Yes. Yes, I do. I mean, you know, multi-year starter at Ohio State, Big Ten, did a ton to get him. High floor guy, according to everybody. Great athlete who should be able to move around to keep himself healthy, so shouldn't take a ton of shots. Uh, Yeah. I mean, although I say that, Fields took 58 sacks this year. Uh, But in theory, uh, should be able to protect himself. Yeah, I, I think he starts week one. Okay. Uh, I think I would probably do that too, but I'm, I don't know if I'm them. I thought they were a candidate for, to bring in a brissette or somebody like that to be the bridge. I think Davis Mills is so bad that, you know, there's really no plan B there or, or way of like mid season feeling like you can, You'll watch because if they start Davis Mills, you'll see him play the first half of game one, and then everybody will be screaming for Stroud right. to play from there on out. So you're right. They really don't have a choice, but I thought with him especially, he's not as raw as Richardson or even Levis, but I thought they failed this offseason to have a plan in place if they wanted their rookie quarterback to watch. So Tampa didn't make a move for a quarterback. They were a popular, maybe they'll trade up from 19 and then Levis falls to him, but they pass on him. Um, I think they're going to be pretty bad. So they, so, okay, you're going to be bad. It's a, you don't get the, don't get a quarterback, take best available. They take your guy, Kalijah Kansi, mm-hmm. undersized. And then they take a tackle from North Dakota state who they've already come out and said is a guard. Cody mock with no teeth. Yeah. yeah. It just, a struck me as a weird approach to, it's like the uh like not take it's like the since, since he took the huge defensive tackle and the huge tackle it's like the guys who at least like look the part they're taking a couple of guys who just don't really look the part so I'm very skeptical of how Tampa approaches. well I think the theme there is like they're betting on the tape to win out over the 
the size, like the, yeah, you know, like here's what NFL dimension should be. And they're looking at two guys that were now mock played at FCS level, but Cansey led college football in tackles for loss and was unblockable. Now the Aaron Donald comparisons are ridiculous because there's only one Donald, but I think that was the theme I thought to their draft. Like we're just going to take guys that we think are good football players in the hell with what the outside world thinks about, well, this guy's too small to play defensive tackle and this guy's too, too small to play offensive tackle. Danny Mel Kuyper is the Colts really low on this list. I love their draft. I like what they did even after they took Anthony Richardson. Their second round pick is Julius Brents, who I had people telling me like before the draft was a sleeper guy, really good size, Kansas state corner, somebody who I think, you know, he's not Devin Witherspoon, but I would not be surprised if he ends up being one of the best corners from this draft. Josh Downs late in the third round who got open all the time at North Carolina. And there were like five or six wide receivers who went before him. Chris Ballard has this reputation as a GM where he's really smart, even though he hasn't won shit. And I kind of felt like that was on display in this draft. And I don't know what's going on with Ursay. The guy hasn't shaved. He sent out a tweet about how they might take Levis in the second round. I mean, I don't know what's going on with that guy. I generally love him, but I was concerned for his well-being after looking at him and seeing what some of his tweets were this week. Uh, Yeah, well, he's got a long history of reasons to make you concerned for his well-being. 12 picks for Indy. So they got to hit on some of them. Uh, I will also say that uh, Aditamiwa Adabare from Northwestern. I thought he was like a second-round pick, that guy. Dude, and they were talking about they, they, Fitz was trying to sell him as a, as a first round pick, uh, coming out of Northwestern, like a little undersized to be a three technique in the NFL, but s- smart as hell, had a pretty good combine. Um, yep. So I, I guess the size just worked against him. And there's debate I heard that like some people just flatly don't think he can play inside in the NFL and then is he fast enough and like explosive so a tweener type of player to be to be an edge but yeah. I mean I know I know some local people like that that absolutely swear by the kid and said that whatever his potential is like whatever his ceiling is he will hit it for the Vikings I guess Kirk Cousins is just gonna last forever because they pass on Levis they pass on Hooker they just not interested in like even considering a succession plan. And <laughs> I they think draft- Nick Mullins is the backup there too. So it's just a journeyman guy. No so, upside. Such a weird draft. Like I would have probably gone corner than receiver. They went receiver than corner. They didn't have a second round pick. So the I know Hawkinson like, deal. Yeah, I know you like the Addison pick, and they definitely they needed a second receiver, but I felt like if there was any receiver in the world who could do it without help. It's probably Jefferson. Uh, they drafted two teammates, two kids from USC, and then two guys from uh, LSU in the fourth and fifth round off the same defense. Only had six picks. Um, I think it's very unlikely that this draft is going to pay yeah, I th- a huge dividend. I think they're banking on Brian Flores to pretty much turn water into wine with their defense without making massive upgrades that just the coaching change is going to make that side of the ball a lot better. The Jaguars are next, according to Mel Kuyper here. He gave them a B. They're th- I'm, I don't think that they, from a player standpoint, blew anybody away with like, oh, that's a steal or that's a value. But I'm just going to say this about a team that won a playoff game last year and has Trevor Lawrence going into their third into his third year. 
First pick, offensive tackle. Second pick, tight end. Third pick, running back. Very deliberate. We think Trevor Lawrence is our franchise. We drafted a defensive player with the number one overall pick last year. Let's use this draft to surround him with good young talent. And even though some of these guys, Harrison might have been more of a second round grade, the tight end from Penn State was a little bit of a reach. They're like, whatever. We're just going to draft guys for Trevor Lawrence. And I'm actually okay with that game plan, Danny. Yeah, I think that that makes all the sense in the world. Um, And you got to keep up with the firepower in the AFC if you actually mean business there. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, Did you love the draft of the Giants? Because I like their second and third round picks. I think Schmitz is going to be a really good tackle, the Minnesota center for a very long time. And I think Hyatt, I think Hyatt was a steal. I could not believe he reminded me of Deshaun Jackson every time they showed his highlights. I so okay, so we're we're in lockstep, and then I'm never going to get mad at a team for drafting a corner in the first round when you don't have a fully completed secondary. So he can start opposite uh, Jackson, and yeah, a guy like a Big Ten area scout told me that Schmitz is absolutely a ten year starter in the NFL. See what his ceiling is. He's like, but he absolutely will play. Yep. In, in the league for a decade and Jalen Hyatt I had forgotten about it just because like my brain's not as good as yours that game against Bama man he was the guy that yep. had five touchdowns on six exactly. catches yep so yeah that's a fun third round pick so yeah two thumbs up for me for he the gets New York downfield Giants. yeah uh, I like the Chiefs it. the Chiefs trap they took the kid from Kansas City who went to K-State in the first round Yep. Then they took Rasheed Rice from SMU in the second round. Now, we just hit on it. I think guys like Hyatt and even his teammate Tillman would have been better picks for the uh, Chiefs there. I just wonder this. Now, he's a deep threat. He's 6'1". He's a guy that gets downfield. Who is going to be the number one wide receiver in Kansas City this year? And don't say Travis Kelsey. Like, I actually want you to give me who you think their most productive wide receiver is going to be. Is it Kadarius Toney? Is that the plan? Is it MVS? No, it can't. Well, so so yeah, right. Juju's gone. Is it Sky Moore who was had a no, very quiet rookie? No, it's year? probably it's probably Kadarius Tony. It's probably Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I mean, they've taken a ton of swings at you know Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Nicole Hardman, like just like trying to draft skill position guys to give Pat Mahomes as many weapons as possible because they knew that they were going to have to go bargain shopping when their top five players are as highly paid as they are. And they've been pretty damn successful with it. And Mahomes made MVS and Juju look really good last year. So yeah, full year with Tony in the offense, former first round pick, Andy Reid's a miracle worker. I guess right now, if I can't give you Travis Kelsey, I guess I got to give you Kadarius Tony. I would, have taken, I would have taken Michael Meyer with that 31st pick, the Notre Dame tight end. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be MVS. I just don't know if he'll catch enough balls. Like, he's like – his big games are like three catches, 120 yards. <laughs> I know. You know? Uh, so, Dallas – so, every team and their social media account always does the same thing, right? They've got their camera in the draft room – and they got it mic'd up, and they put it out on their YouTube or their Instagram and their Twitter, and they do the like 
the dream come true call and like uh-huh. the moment when such and such be, uh, became a Jaguar. And they're also repetitive, but it's great, right? It's, it's an amazing thing. The dad being the scout who called, Deuce who called Deuce Vaughn his five foot five son as a running back and said, Hey man, do you want to come to work with me on Monday? That one got me. That that was that was so awesome. Like Jerry Jones being there, but letting his dad turn in the card and the whole thing. Like I can't imagine Deuce Vaughn's going to be anything. Like really, he's five five. He's Darren Sproles two point man. I love Deuce Vaughn. All right, fair enough. Uh, I thought that uh, drafting the kid from Michigan, Schoonmaker, to replace uh, Dalton Schultz was like drafting for need. But yeah, especially I just because the guy's balding already and is like 28 years old. That's fine. They're trying to win now. Uh, but I just, I just, I just thought that that Deuce Vaughn story was so great. Uh, I've got the Chargers next here, and I don't understand why. If we're going to make such a big deal out of Philadelphia taking all Alabama guys, why was there no love for the Chargers taking all TCU offensive players? <laughs> they took Quinton Johnson. Then they took Darius Davis, wide receiver, TCU. And then they took Max Duggan in the seventh round. Like, they looked at the, the Eagles and said, oh, they're just <laughs> taking all Georgia guys? Who finished? TCU was second. Let's target their players next. But no one cares about the Chargers. So that's why things like that tend to go by the wayside and kind of get swept under the rug. Do you think they, they just have, like, there's just, like, an – an area scout on their team that saw an awesome TCU game and is just a very persuasive debater. Yeah. Who just like watched the follow their like Cinderella ride all year. Yeah. That's funny. Um, Two wide receivers and Max Duggan there to be the third string quarterback. The saints are going to be a tough watch this year. I think at times. (laughs) Um, Like I actually think they're going to win the division. They might, but I'm going to – I mean, like, I, I love Olave, and, and Camaro, when healthy, is one of the most fun players to watch in football. Uh, and Derek Carr, obviously, is an upgrade, and that division sucks. And so, like, maybe. Um, I think I thought that they drafted for need with uh, Bressy from Clemson and Foskey, the two, like, two defensive linemen in the top 40, 29th and mm-hmm. 40th pick. Their D-line was atrocious last year. So I thought that made a decent amount of sense. Um, I bet you they wish they still had the 10th pick and they could have made that trade that Philly made to go up and get Jalen Carter. So that probably hurt him a little bit, but you know, they, I thought it was, I thought it was a fine draft for the draft capital that they had. Yeah. And they've actually had some drafts there in new Orleans where they had, they've had in the past, like what Seattle had where they've had five or six guys who've stepped in and been starters. So yeah. They, they basically have a bonus first-round pick because penning the tackle there last year got hurt very early on, and it's like almost like a rookie again this year for them. Uh, I have Miami here. They only made four picks. I thought it was interesting that their first pick in the second round was a corner. They took Cam Smith. They just traded for Jalen Ramsey. Like, But I get it. Of course. They're, they're just thinking, hey, uh, we need to figure out a way when our quarterback is healthy to keep the other teams from not scoring more than 30 points. So we gave up probably too much for Chubb at the trade deadline last year. At this point, I think their plan seems to be more, we're going to defend you 
with our coverage more than our pressure on defense. So they're making a coordinator change there too. They might end up having the best corners in the entire league this year, Danny, if Jalen Ramsey has anything left. I'm not sure that he does. Uh, I have no word for the Niners draft other than smug. Nine picks, none in the first two rounds, and your second third-round pick, your second pick of the entire draft is a kicker. Yep. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, I, like I, that. that is so ridiculous. Uh, I know it's a need, What I, but like your team is so good. You could trade for Trey Lance. Don't even need to play him. That costs you a pick. You could trade for a running back. It's Christian McCaffrey. That costs you a pick. And then you're using a third round pick on a kicker. It's, I mean, they might not be wrong. It's arguably the best roster in football uh, with some of the Eagles departures, but get the hell out of here. A kicker with your second pick. <laughs> I wonder Kuiper killed the Jets draft. I wonder if if one of the storylines to their season is going to be what happened with the Steelers moving up ahead of them to snatch Broderick Jones and the left tackle drama and the be in the ability to 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 uh, protect an aging quarterback in Aaron Rodgers because we don't know about Mackay Becton. The right tackle Mitchell was is a late round guy who was adequate i wouldn't say anything more than that and Dwayne brown is trying to to beat off the uh football that sounded bad beat off is trying to hold off you should say the, it again the football grim reaper you know he's old he's ancient but some of these tackles like andrew whitworth play forever so they did not take an offensive tackle into the fourth round a kid from Pitt, carter warren um is that going to come back to bite them i think it easily could i think they panicked and took will mcdonald in the first round, an edge rusher from Iowa State. I don't think that was their plan. I, I think they liked the guy. And when that trade happened, I think they're like, you know what? We don't really have a guy that fits a need here. Let's just take someone that we like because at least, you know, we'll be, we'll sleep easier knowing we have a high regard for the player. Even though he doesn't, I mean, I don't know how he plays. I mean, they've got all kinds of players at edge rusher. So. Yeah, I mean, how you could be shocked moving two spots when you've had basically a calendar year, it feels like to work out that trade uh, and like be caught off guard based on how the board fell would be fairly negligent. But I definitely think that they did not want to take, I I definitely think they wanted more protection uh, with the first round pick. I'm with you. They probably wanted Jones. Uh, Do you have any teams left on the board? I do not. I've got one more. I've got the Raiders. Okay. Did I skip a team? I don't think I did. Maybe. If if so, Spencer will let us know about it or one of our legions of listeners will. The last yeah. one I have is the Raiders. Uh, somehow, Mel gave them the worst grade for an AFC team. Tyree Wilson, Michael Meyer, back-to-back, 7-35. and 35. I like those picks. Like, the more I found out about Wilson, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that I bashed him on this podcast maybe a month ago. But, like, the... He was on a team where there was no defensive talent around him. No other defensive players got drafted. And that's all Big 12 offenses needed to do was stop this guy. And before he got hurt, he was a monster. I mean, look, there are worse things they could have done with the seventh pick. I think I'd rather take a flyer on that guy than like Will Levis or another quarterback. Same thing with Mayer. I know that Garoppolo is not the long-term answer. Really, what they're—I'll I'll say it succinctly. What the Raiders are—they're stuck in a—they're stuck in limbo right now. 
the draft is not going to get them to be an AFC contender. And their roster is such that I have a very hard time thinking that they're going to be a team that seriously competes this year in that division. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I, if Tyree Wilson's healthy, he looks like an absolute freak of nature athletically. And his suit, he was the swag. Yeah, you dude. loved that. You, you've been so high on that point. Oh, dude. But, and, I mean, the, the, it, his arms, the combine stuff, like that guy, that guy looks like, see, that guy is, it happens every year where someone like that is dominant. Put him opposite Crosby, I like it. And then, yeah, Mayor replacing Waller, it's a fine draft. Uh, all right. We're at 65 minutes. We did all 32 teams. Kept Spencer Ray up. We appreciate it. Here's a, he's our executive producer. He's Andrew Filipponi. I'm Danny Parkins. Tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review. We're first in pod all offseason, baby. Peace. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.